Hey, this is Pete Bauer from the Pete Bauer blog. Thanks for joining us again. We're back with a new podcast because we actually have something to say. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. <laughs> Hopefully we've been busy. I'm hoping that we've actually accomplished something. Well, we have been busy. But it's, have we accomplished <laughs> anything? It's whether that busyness has led to anything impressive. Yeah, that's, that is always that the question. That is the question. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, we actually have been busy doing a lot of writing and planning and strategizing and whatnot. And uh, recently, just literally last couple of days, we participated in the March to a Bestseller 2. It's a sequel. It's a Facebook event that was done by Brian Cohen of the Sell More Book Show podcast. And he had about, I don't know, 10, 15 writers that he got to commit to not only offer their books that help writers write or market or what have you. He got them to, to lower their price to 99 cents for the life of the event, which ran on a Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And he also had scheduled at least a couple of authors every hour for the 12 hours that we could interact with and ask questions and get feedback and so forth. And what was interesting about that is I was trying to explain the how we've always talked about from the beginning about bringing weird genres together, like having a thriller mystery with a young adult that also has layers of faith challenges in it. We've always thought that we were creating a new genre, that that's kind of how we've always approached it. And unfortunately, the writers agreed with us. <laughs> yeah, which... <laughs> which was a little disappointing. Um, but the conversation I had online, it perfectly exemplified the challenge we're going to have from a marketing perspective. So I posted a question about how best to approach and promote a new genre mix. And the feedback was, once I explained kind of what we we're doing in our books, the feedback was, well, you know, you have a Christian faith-based audience, that's who you target to. And really that's part of our audience, but not our entire audience. But to focus only on that then limits your audience. So I was like, well, it's not really a feel-good story. It's kind of dark. Um, it's got some minor language that kids use in high school. It is not a feel-good story. It is not a feel-good <laughs> story. There is no really. You said it's not really a feel-good story. We're going to clarify. It's not a feel-good story. It's a thriller. But it is a thriller, and it's it exists mystery. in the real world. Yes. And there's, you know, and it's challenging, and, and bad things happen to people. And so it's it's like any other thriller, except it's a, a teen protagonist. One of the things she's dealing with is trying to figure out how her faith plays into all these amazing and tough things that go on. Anyway, so once I explained that what we think we're doing is what we've always said, creating some sort of new genre, because it's not really what people would assume. It's not an Amish feel-good story that you would find in a Christian bookstore. It's not a Christian love story. Nope. There are no women dressed in period clothing on the no, cover. Nope. No, it's not a romance. It's a, it's a really tough and intriguing thriller. And so once I explained that, one of the writers who was giving their time said, well, Pete, you may have just created a new genre. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's true. And then it took a, a longer conversation online until I met another author, Sherry, out in Utah, who writes, I guess, books. I don't know her well enough yet, but she writes books that have the Mormon faith as a part of it. And what was interesting about that is when she she was the only one that got what we were trying to do because I think she's she's dealing with the same thing. She was like, yeah, because their faith is just it's just them living their life. And I was like, yes, that's that's exactly it. So out of all the people, 10 authors throughout the day, over a thousand people participating, one author 
who's dealing with the same thing was the only one who got it right away. And that's our challenge right there. When we put the series out there, that's going to be our challenge. So that's something that we've done pretty recently was this author session, author powwow, for lack (laughs) of a better word. It was really cool. I will say that. (laughs) But some other things that we've been up to lately is we finished, or rather you finished because you're the author. Yeah. The next draft of the Neil and Prey book. The first book in the series. And you sent it to your beta readers. I did. And I helped you craft that survey. Yes. And then we went over the survey results. Yes. Now, here's the funny thing about, here's a lesson learned. (laughs) We're learning so much about beta readers and stuff. So the very first question, because Amazon rates things in one to five, with five being the highest and the best, we asked, what is this book out of one to five? And explain why. And every question, we're like, please give us more. Please give us more. In some way, we were asking that question. And they answered like the first one, you know, whatever the number was. And then after that, a lot of them just answered either that number or yes or no after that, even though we wanted more information. So it's really hard to get. I don't know how else to explain unless you just do a heck of a lot more questions and you kind of pry you could send a follow-up survey and say that their answers were unacceptable (laughs) (laughs) and people will be jumping at the opportunity to help us in the future (laughs) thank you for donating your time and your effort and your analysis it is not good enough (laughs) and another one of the interesting things that came out of that survey was to remove some of the elements that we were very firm on because she thought they wouldn't be recommended by religious organizations she said if you have any kind of profane language in this book you know the Dove graphic of violence or something like that you know the Dove Foundation isn't going to recommend it to people or or stuff like that or things along those lines yeah and we had a conversation about that afterwards and and we came to the conclusion that yes she's right the Dove Foundation or any of these other religious organizations are not going to recommend these books because certain elements exist in them but we're not trying to sell these books to these foundations and organizations. We're trying to sell these books to people who can identify with the world that Gabby Wells is living in. Right. And it's going to make it a lot harder to get this book out to people because you're not going to have all of these organizations that people trust validating your book for you. But I do think it's the right choice for us. Yeah. I mean, I actually sent a follow-up email to the beta readers once they expressed some of their concerns she wasn't the only one that was concerned about that because one of the other beta readers, you know, has been involved in youth groups and things like that. So, and so that goes back to the original conversation with the Facebook group is this is kind of a new genre. It, there's another couple of, uh, Sherry and this, uh, a very successful author, Joanna Penn, has talked about the need in Amazon to actually create a category called religious thriller because there isn't one. Joanna um, isn't a Christian writer. Or anything but there's religion in a lot of her different books so you know Dan Brown books could be considered religious thrillers so the conversation and feedback we got back from our beta readers just reiterates the overall challenge we knew we were gonna have from the very beginning so we talked about that you and I Dorothea to us we have like two audiences we have the the core Christian audience which we're sure we'll enjoy it, except for those people who have those sensibilities, right? But for the average teenager who goes to youth groups, more than likely they're going to really enjoy this book. 
So we had to decide. Our, we originally talked about, is our primary goal going to be to get the core Christian audience and then have them expand the knowledge and scope of the acceptance of the book? That was our original plan a long time ago. Or is that our fallback plan where we go there only afterwards? Because one of the things that, that came up to me during this let me see if I can say this better. One of the things that came up to me during this Facebook conversation is that I totally love my faith. I'm not trying to diminish my faith or the aspect of faith in the book, but people are very comfortable with putting things in categories. And the initial impulse was for someone to go, oh, it's a young character who dealing with issues of faith, Christian fiction. Now, the Christian fiction audience is much smaller than just the fiction audience. And the thriller young adult Christian fiction audience is substantially smaller than the young adult thriller audience. So after that, my thought was, you know, what if, if it gets pigeonholed as Christian fiction, it's a much harder battle to reach the kids who would look at that and be dissuade from reading it. And our goal from doing this all the time, whether it was the movie stuff we were working on or the books now, is that those are the kids we want to reach are the kids who just like good fiction, like a good thriller, and maybe haven't spent a lot of time thinking about their faith, and maybe have the same questions that Gabby has, especially in the first book, because she doesn't really know what to do with her faith very well either. So we kind of thought, well, then why don't we just put it out there and don't talk about any of the religious aspects of it at all. And let's just see what people who read it think. Let's find out what they want to call it as opposed to us trying to define it. So our goal is is just let's put it out there and let's hopefully let it get traction as a really good thriller. That would be the best thing that we could get. And if people say, oh, and it's really cool because there's also a character of faith in it, that would be great. Because as we've said in previous podcasts, there's been plenty of articles from people involved in the literary world that they're they're frustrated because there aren't characters of faith in it, you know. And one thing that occurred to me about this today was if Gabby was raised Catholic and abandoning her faith, no one would call it Christian fiction, right? Or unhappy with her faith and heading towards abandonment, they would accept that as just fiction. But the fact that Gabby is considering keeping her faith is when people would say, well, then it's got to be Christian fiction. And to me, that's just hypocritical. That struggle, no matter where it goes, shouldn't, shouldn't change the definition of it. As we've said from the very beginning, we're writing entertaining stories about people who happen to be Catholic. We're not writing Catholic stories, and we're not ashamed of our Catholicism or our Christianity. It's just that this is not that type of book. So that's the struggle, and it's a struggle that we've had since we started this whole writing process. And it's a struggle that we'll continue to have. And it's kind of hard to explain because even the other night we were explaining this story to friends of ours and they were confused at first. They didn't really understand what we were trying to do. And so we explained it to them in this way. Gabby Walls is an investigator. She's investigating crimes. If you look at the current way in which crimes are investigated, a lot of times it involves lying. It involves going undercover. It involves a lot of behavior that is not... Deception, things like that. That is very deceptive, and that is not really acceptable if you are living by the Ten Commandments. So Gabby's kind of forced in this situation where she's like, well, this would be so easy if I could just lie and say this, and then I'd get the information that I need, and then we could move on, and I would solve the crime, and it would be great. Brilliant day. But God's there whispering in her ear going, yep, no, you can't lie. And Gabby's kind of like, well, then what do you want me to do? Right. And that's kind of how her story evolves. 
And what's interesting to me is that, to me, having a lay, that faith layer in the character, whether they're Catholic or not, doesn't matter. It has to be something orthodox that challenges them from whatever they're facing in the world. But having that layer is so much more interesting. It surprises me. When I thought about it at first, I'm like, I'm surprised more authors don't just do this because it automatically adds a layer of conflict automatically to everything the character does and that's what stories are is conflict so i thought about well you know why aren't more people doing this and then as i've listened to a lot of podcasts and i do listen to a lot of podcasts from a lot of different authors two things one almost all of them work in it (laughs) which is weird and the other thing is almost all of them are non-believers or apathetic or hostile to faith very dismissive and so obviously one reason no one else is doing this is because no one really believe in much of anything. And the other thing is that even if they wanted to, they would struggle because it just like just like when people see Christian films, right? Um, when Hollywood tries to do Christian films, they're coming from it oftentimes from an inauthentic approach. They're doing it the way they think Christians would want to see it but they stumble over themselves and eventually make stuff that is inauthentic. It's always that line that Noah dealt with or now the Exodus movie coming out. And so even if authors wanted to add it to their storylines, unless they actually understand a faith well enough to realistically create a character that is having true struggles with understanding and living their faith, then it's going to come off stereotypical or they're going to make a really obvious kind of mistake or error in judgment or something with a character that anyone who who knows better would go well that's stupid obviously she doesn't believe in anything because no one who does would make that decision so again it, there therein lies our challenge of creating a new genre mashup it's gonna be challenging it's gonna be fun it is <laughs> I'm very excited about it well and part of the problem with that is it's very hard to market to an audience when you don't really know the best way to reach them a lot of people selling Christian fiction would reach out through Christian organizations, and that's a choice that we are not making for marketing our own story. So something that we've been dealing with is where is our audience, how do we approach them, and how do we do so for as little money as possible? And part of that has included your opinion that we should just do as much as we can and throw everything out there and just kind of cast a wide net and see what sticks. And I agree with that in part, but also it's important to remember when you are doing this that you should have a plan. You should have some kind of plan and schedule and at least an idea of what you want to get out of it as well. Right. No, I agree. I agree with I, I agree with both approaches. They're not in opposition to each other. So we're working on that right now, kind of trying to figure out what we can do with the resources that we have. And it is not easy, but we've got some cool ideas that hopefully you guys will get to see soon. I'm not going to tell you what they are, because that would ruin the surprise. So I'm excited about some of the things that we've got in the works. And Neil and Price going to be headed off to an editor soon. So that'll be really exciting as well. After yeah. how long have we been working on this story? Well, this story <laughs> or the series? We've been working on the series. It's actually over a year. When I, I actually counted, I think I've written probably 500,000 words since we started that we have since thrown away. That's a half a million words that just to get us to start is really what happened. And the way that seems to work right now is you write a series, which we're doing. And most of the traction and the momentum you gather from um, people buying your stuff usually happens between three and five books, which is fine because we have more than that. 
But the only reason I, I want to put a real focus in the first book is that if you're going to write three to five books or more, like if I'm going on Amazon and I see a series of five books and the first book only has five reviews, well, I'm not going to chance that or any of the other books. I mean, if no one's taken a chance on it. So the most important thing for me with this first book only is to try to get as many positive, well, hopefully positive, but as many reviews as possible. You want to get as much social credibility or public validation as possible with that first book so that when his future books come out, sure, there may not be as many reviews because they're later releases, but that first book has enough feedback that, that someone who wants to try it will trust that they're not going to be wasting their time or money. You know, we talked about our marketing plan. I want to try anything, but I also want to have a plan for why we're trying everything and what are expected results out of that. So it's not that we're going to try everything at once, but nothing is off the table at this point because, again, we're doing a new genre thing. So we just want to kind of try as much as we can and say, well, this is what we're going to do, you know, a week before the release and two days before the release and so on and so forth. And then after that, we're going to release it. And then we're going to, here's what we're going to do the first month. Here's what we're going to do the second month. Here's what we're going to do the third month. And keep coming up with stuff until we reach the goals that we have for reviews and feedback on that first book. And after that, I'm just going to focus on writing other books. And I'm not really going to care about any of that after that. Because hopefully, by the time you get to the third or fourth or fifth book, there's enough traction there. The positive reviews is a foundation for the first book and interest and follow up after that. And if things work well, the rest should take care of itself. And sometimes what's effective is not what is flashy. You know, when you're a self-published author, you don't have the ability to do these really big advertising campaigns like some of your competitors. But that doesn't mean that you can't have effective marketing. I mean, the Home Shopping Network is not flashy. It's not pretty. They put stuff on a table and then pan around with a camera. And yet it is still in existence. So just find what works for you and run with it. I'm excited about trying to figure it out. Honestly, I get I like that sort of stuff. To me, I'm not I'm not going to be upset about the failure or success of well, I'm not going to be upset about success in any way, but I'm not going to be <laughs> upset about fa the failure of anything we try because again, we just need that one or two things to work. So, if it doesn't work great, then I don't need to do that anymore. And we're just on to the next thing until we try to find what does work. So we, as she said, we have some strategies we're gonna roll out and we'll discuss those more in the future. But um, we do have a plan and it's still in the works and getting formulated, but um, hopefully in the first quarter of 2015, we'll have the first book released. I think the whole self-publishing community should come together and as a group purchase the song rights to take a chance on me yeah. and have that play on all of our Amazon pages. So as soon as you open up Kneel and Pray by Pete Power, take a chance yeah. on me will play in the background. And subtle, you know, it's like subliminal <laughs> messaging, right? That's funny. So that's everything that we're kind of working on. And it's kind of exciting. You know, I will say this, the, the response that I got from the beta readers was so much more just positive and helpful in a... Like the other ones were positive, but there was, it was it was like a but at the end of it, right? There was like, no, it's a really good story, but, mm -hmm. you know, but this one it's was just... a really just, good idea, but, but... Right? And the feedback with Neil and Prey was so much better. I mean, it was like excitement. Like when we talked to people either online or in person, they were like excited and they, they you know, at the end of every chapter, they, they had to turn the page and, and they were surprised by what happened and some people cried multiple times. It was just really so different and they i think the crying was a positive <laughs> i think so too i think so i can't believe i have to read this book <laughs> not another chapter 
It's so powerful. Look, she's crying. <laughs> so anyway, I'm very excited about getting that out there. And if and if anyone who knows me knows that I fear like sucking publicly and stuff, but I am confident with this first story that it's a good introduction into the Gabby Wells universe, and it's a very fast-moving, exciting story. So I really can't wait to get it out there and and have that hope stashed in my thoughts proved wrong. <laughs> that's what I hope. Excellent. <laughs> yes. So um, that's what's been going on, and we'll have more of these more frequently now that we're kind of past the... Well, Here's I just, what we've learned. <laughs> well, I have to go hide and write for three months, you know, because I have most of the, the first book I have to add you know from feedback from the beta readers i need to make some tweaks there which i'm working on right now and then the second book is half written the fourth book is half written and the third book i know what i have to write so so things should start moving more quickly and we'll have more information of real world stuff that we're doing coming up in the next podcast what i want to talk about is the generosity with the independent publishing community i it is stunning to me how great other authors have been in this very generous with their time and with their feedback and just so open. I mean, I'm talking to like people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year with their own independently published books. And they'd be more than happy to help you and kind of keep you from making the same mistakes they did. It's just tremendous. And I'm talking about beyond podcasts and this, the blog posts that they put out there, but just simply emailing these people and asking them questions and they email you back that same day and go, hey, yeah, try this. No, I wouldn't do that. Or you should talk to this person. Here's their email address. It's really amazing. So I'll go more into depth in that next time, but it's really pretty awesome. It is a very cool community. It's kind of like getting directing feedback from Steven Spielberg. You're right. It's just really quite a blessing. And it's cool that we've been able to do that. It's definitely been a journey. I think one of the things that I've enjoyed just from a humorous perspective is all these other self-published authors that are putting their advice out there, they're growing and they're on their own journey as much as anyone else. So there have been times where we'll listen to a podcast and we get some advice from these authors who've been successful in the past and they say, okay, we're going to do this now. I'm really excited about it. It's an awesome plan. And so we're like, great. We take notes and we're like, well, how are we going to incorporate this into our own publishing plan and then a week later next podcast comes out and they go yeah that was a terrible idea yeah it didn't work that out was a all. complete failure <laughs> but the fact that they're open with that right is is that's the best part about it plus the the environment changes so much when we started this process kdp select the kindle direct publishing there was ways to that if you gave away free books you were put really high in the rankings and that really helped people and then they sold a lot of stuff but that was skewing the people who were actually selling books. So when we started, that died off and KDB Select lost all value, right? Because there's no there's no real reason to go into it. When we started this process on podcasts, they're talking about the changes to KDP Select. And then they're talking about how they don't need KDP Select. And then they're talking about how to do other things in spite of KDB Select. And since then now KDP or Kindle Unlimited has started where people can read as many books as they want. And now they're all talking about that. And that's a completely different model. It's such an evolving thing. And that's why you kind of have to not be afraid to try anything because you have no clue what's gonna work in the current environment and what works today could simply be an algorithm change on Amazon that doesn't work anymore. And so it's it's a difference uh, between strategies and tactics. So you have a strategy to get 20, 50 reviews on your book, and the tactic may be A, B, C, and D, and then Amazon changes something and A doesn't work anymore. And so 
as long as you're focused on your strategy, you're fine. But but it's it's been just such an interesting, amazingly fluid environment. So yeah, so it's been very interesting, and there definitely have been challenges, but there have been some really cool opportunities as well. Yeah. I mean, if you had tried to, if you're an app developer today and tried to explain to your grandfather, guess what? I make a bunch of money developing an app on people's phones. They'd probably <laughs> be like, I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. So technology is always changing, and I'm excited to see what new opportunities we have. Self-publishing yeah. wasn't even an option in the past. So No, five years ago, it was not, not an option. So who knows what the future holds? Wow, dramatic voice. I like it. But our next episode will hold more information about the self-publishing community. So that is what the future holds in a small respect. (laughs) In our little world. So anyway, um, we're excited to be making some progress here, and we are very happy to have you along. So we will see you guys next time. As always, if you have any questions, comments, if you've had any self-publishing or independent publishing experience or any publishing experience at all in regards to that, that you'd like to leave in the comments of our blog, or you can email us at contactus at sunlightpress.com. Thanks for joining us. That's correct. And we'll see you guys next time.